let's go before the King. Father, we come to you tonight, and we have our word in your, we have your word in our hands. You have spoken to us, and I believe that you want to even go deeper tonight into our souls, into our hearts, into our minds. And you want us to understand something. There is fresh manna for us to take in. And so please, God, help us to retain. Help us to gird up our minds, Lord, and really be ready to spend time with you tonight in your word. Minister to us. I don't know what to say, King, so please give me words. I I trust in you, and I rely on you, and I know it's only by you that the people are going to be blessed. So please, Father, bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Numbers chapter 16, we're going to start in tonight. Why? Well, because Numbers chapter 17, you cannot understand, and you cannot even see what's going on, and really dive into it without seeing what happened in chapter 16. And there really isn't much in Numbers chapter 17. There's just one thing that happens, one big thing that happens there in that chapter. So the entire chapter is wrapped around this one thing. And so we're going to look at the entire chapter of Numbers chapter 16, and I'm going to read through it and stop like every two or three verses, possibly four verses, and explain what is happening. And we're going to look at this. What is this book called? Does anybody remember what numbers, the, the Hebrew, I'm sorry, what this book is also known as? Numbers is known as, well, it's the book of numbers. Why? For counting. Because why? They count the tribes of Israel. What does the Hebrew Bible tell us? In the yes, in the wilderness. And how do we know that, Ty? Uh, it's the first couple words. In yes, it is the first phrase in the book. And that's how you can know many times the Hebrew and the Hebrew Bible and the Tanakh and the Torah and the, the, the first five books of the Bible, you can tell what the name of the book is called by the first few words mentioned in the first fe- sentence of the first chapter of the book. But there is one other name that this book is known for, or known as. The book, of the book of Murmuring. That's right, the book of Murmuring. <laughs> Talking under your breath, you know after your parents tell you to do something, you get in a fight with them, and you walk down the hall, and what'd you say? Nothing. I heard you. Tell me. You, know, you get in a fight over that. Numbers chapter 16, we're going to see this murmuring come to life right now. Let's start here in verse 1. Numbers chapter 16, verse 1. And we're going to read verses 1 and 2. Now Korah, the son of Ishar, the son of Koath, the son of Levi, Dathan, and Abraham, the sons of Elab, Eliab, I'm sorry, and On, the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men. And they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown. Okay, stop there. So we got Korah. These are our three main characters. You ready? Korah. We have Dathan, like Nathan. Dathan, interesting name. I was thinking to myself, like, I know, I now know after reading this chapter why nobody would ever name their kid Dathan. You're going to see. It sounds dorky anyways, but Dathan is the name mentioned here. And then Abiram. Yes, Abiram, I believe his name is. I'll make sure I'm pronouncing it right. Abiram. So we have who? Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Say it with me. Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. <laughs> Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Okay? These are the three main characters, next to Moses and Aaron, of course. But what do they do? They rally up 250 of the leaders. Levites. Who are the Levites? The priests. Remember the people who are ministering in the tabernacle. And what do they do? They bring them against Moses and Aaron. They get them to turn against Moses, start a rebellion. These little busters. I cannot believe this. Watch what's about to happen. So they take these 250 men, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. They get 250 men against Moses. In verse 3, they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron, and said unto them, Ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore, then lift thee up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. We'll stop there. Okay, now, Korah, interesting to note, Korah is Moses' cousin. 
So he's part of the family. Moses' cousin. So what does Korah do? Gets 250 men together, and they walk up, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, 250 men, and they approach Moses. It's just like, listen up, man. Who do you think you are that you get to exalt yourself and be in power? Why do you get to be in charge? You know, like, who put you in charge? God. Who put you in charge? You know, why do you get to be doing all this stuff, and why don't we get to? And Moses responds in this way. Look at verse 4. When Moses heard this, he fell on his face. He bowed down. I love that. We'll stop there just real quick and, and note that. This guy, who is this Shmo? His cousin? He walks up to Moses, the guy who did the plagues in Egypt, the one who parted the Red Sea, the one who will hit the rock, or hit the rock and water came forth, the one who called down manna from heaven and pigeons to come, or birds to come and bring them meat, the one who went up and brought down the law, the Ten Commandments, the one who knew God face to face. Do you remember back in Numbers chapter 12? We talked about it, I think, last week. We did a little bit. No, we didn't. We didn't talk about it. I wrote it in a devotional. If you didn't read it, then let me tell you. Listen. Numbers chapter 12, two people, Miriam and guess who? Aaron, decide to rise up against Moses. Yeah, serious. Aaron, his brother, the high priest, decide to come against Moses. Two people. And so Miriam and Aaron, Aaron, they come up and they try to rise up against Moses and they say, Moses, why do you get to lead the people? Why do you get to do the envy? They start being envious, and they want what he has. They want his position. And guess what happens? God comes. All of a sudden, the cloud comes, hovering over the tabernacle. Actually, the Lord stands in a pillar, I think, at the door. And he says, listen up. He's like, who do you guys think you are? Moses, check this out. Check this out. God says to Miriam, in specific, for some reason doesn't speak to Aaron, but he says to Miriam, he says, I speak to prophets in a different way than when I speak to Moses. All the prophets, I speak in a different way. But to Moses, I speak face to face. Like, he is my man. And it actually says in the King James, we speak mouth to mouth. Like that. Mouth to mouth. Like, that is intimate. That is close. And God's like, Miriam, oh, you're going to come in and talk smack about my boy? Big mistake. And God strikes her with leprosy right there on the spot. And she becomes a leper. And then Moses, guess what? Falls on his face and says, Lord, Lord. I beg you, please heal her. Amazing. And then the Lord says, if a father spits in his daughter's face, then she is to be banned from the camp for seven days. And that's exactly what had happened. It's almost like the father, the, the, one, the girl, she became a disgrace to the king, to the one. And she is banned from the camp for seven days, and when she comes back, she is healed. So there has just been a big issue happen in Numbers chapter 12. Are you with me? There's just been a big situation of envy happen already. And look what's happening again. Who is this? Korah, Dathan, and Abiram are standing up with 250 men coming up like, why do you get to be in charge? And what does Moses do? You know what? If I was there, I'd be like, you little buster. We're going to throw down 300. You know, like I'm ready to rock. I would have gotten in his face or something. You know, like, are you serious? You're going to challenge the living God? Like, I would have rebuked him on the spot. But what does Moses do? He gets on his face. Numbers chapter 12 also tells us that Moses was the meekest man to ever walk the face of the earth. The meekest man. And that's a real man right there. To be able to step down and get on his face and pray instead of stand up and try to fight the battle. Try to fight with his hands. The same thing with you girls. A real woman will not fight with their mouth. Not say things back. But they will get on their face and pray about it. They will go in the quietness of the room and talk to the king and talk to the father and let him deal with it. Look what, look what happens there in verse 5. And he spake unto Korah, Moses, and all his company, saying, Even tomorrow the Lord will show who are his and who is holy and will cause him to come near unto him. And even whom he hath chosen will he cause to come near unto him. Stop there. So Moses is there on his face, and he says, Boys, 250, tomorrow the Lord's going to show who is His. I don't have to do anything, and I love that. I love that. That's the secret, friends. That is the secret. one of the sweet secrets to this life, is that we are not to fight our own problems. We are not to fight our own situations. i got to make my point, though. i got to let them know. 
I've got to say this, or I've got to say that, or I've got to prove my point here in relationships. I've got to say this and make my point and figure this out. In friendships, in the church. Well, they're teaching this wrong, and they're doing that wrong. I, I need to go and make sure I make my point and let them know. No, you don't. Moses says, God will show us who is His. God will show us who the one He is seeking after, who the one He is going to use. Straight up. That's genius. That's wisdom. Verse Verse 6. This do, Moses continues telling these guys, take your censers, Korah and all his company, and put fire, incense in them before the Lord. Tomorrow, and it shall be that the man whom the Lord does choose, he shall be holy. He shall take too much upon him, upon you, you sons of Levi. Stop there. So what does he tell him to do? He says, okay, we're going to prove and we're going to see who is God's man and who God is seeking and who is the one that God is going to use. And so what does he say? Take incense burners. Every single one of you, take incense burners and put incense in it and arrive tomorrow at the tabernacle and we will see who is the one. And then look at verse 8. And Moses said unto Korah, Here I pray thee, ye sons of Levi, seemeth it but a small thing unto you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation to minister unto them. And he hath brought thee near to him and all the brethren, the sons of Levi, with thee and seek ye the priesthood also. Okay, so what is that saying? Listen. Moses continues speaking. He says after he tells him, so remember, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, these three guys come with 250 guys, they call Moses out, he falls on his face, and he starts speaking to them. And then he tells them, God's going to prove who is the one. And God tells them, or he is speaking for the Lord, he says, everybody bring an incense burner. Every single one. So, if you guys rolled up on me right now, and it's like, Josh, why do you think you should be in charge? It's like, snap. I fall on my face. This is what you're going to do then. You guys want to find out who's in charge? Everybody bring an incense burner tomorrow. Every single one of you will hold one in your hand. You'll have incense burning. And then Moses says to the people, he says this, What's the deal, guys? You guys are Levites. Don't you already have? Hasn't God set you apart anyways? You guys get to minister in the tabernacle and nobody else in the congregation of Israel gets to. God has already blessed you and given you something and you want more? Friends, there's a principle we must learn right now. And I want to talk about envy. Envy. Jealousy is losing something you have. Being jealous, like, I don't want to lose that. I don't want somebody else to take it from me. Envy is wanting something you don't have. Whether it be position or possession. Whether it be a position or a possession. Envy is wanting what you don't have. Well, why does she get to be in that position and I don't? I've been faithful. Why is he speaking and I'm not? Why do they get to lead worship? Why do they get to usher or lead the prayer meeting? Why are they getting invited out to this and I'm not? Envy. We must be very, very careful when we start seeking after someone else's position. And me being involved in the church for a very long time, it really didn't hit... I mean, I haven't been smacked in the face until when I read this chapter. And God approaching my life on envy and me wanting certain things or or to teach like a certain person. To be seeking after a certain thing. It's like, and the Lord's speaking to me, Josh, I've not called you to that. You were called to this. And I've given you this position. Now be diligent. And be faithful in it. Do not seek after more than what God has given you. It's okay to have vision. It's okay to, yeah, hey man, I want, I want to grow in my walk. And I want to be in leadership. Or I want to do this. Or I want to do that. It's okay. But it is when your heart starts looking. And what do you start doing? What starts happening when envy sneaks in? We start hating on the person. It could be even be our friends. Indirectly, we, we kind of start putting them down in our minds, you know? And, and, and we start talking to our friend about them. Like, you know, I mean, you know, I'm really good friends with so-and-so, but they kind of do this. <laughs> and I don't really like the way they do that. And we kind of start to degrade them with our friends and, and put them down a little bit. So we've got to be careful. You'll find yourself deeper in the puddle, deeper in the mud than you want to be, real fast. If you don't take guard, and you know what? You better watch out the same thing with your workplace. 
Why do they have that position? I don't. With your family members, how come they're in with mom and I'm not? How come things aren't right? Envy, envy, wanting what we don't have. Must stay far away from that. Be content, friends. Content with what you have right now in Jesus' name. Stop wanting more. Stop seeking for more. Right now, can, are you okay if you live at the level that you're at for the rest of your life if God gives you no more? Maybe you just continue to decrease from now on. You get poor. And you have less. Are you okay with that? We need to fix our lives. We need to turn our eyes to God and say, Yay and Amen, Lord. I'm content with where I'm at. And if you take away from me even more so, like Job, how, how much worse could it get? You remember Job? What was the first thing that was taken away from him? All of his family. Then what? All of his riches. All of his money. And then what? Even his own body was afflicted with sores and he couldn't even walk. He couldn't do anything. He was completely broken. But the man stayed faithful to God. Envy. Wanting more. It's a, it's a silent sin. It's a secret sin, isn't it? It's not one that we really talk about much in the church. You know what? I see it in church leadership all the time. I really do. People wondering why they have not been put there and why it's not working for them. And, and family, listen. Hatred starts to happen quietly in each person's heart. And they just kind of give people a stiff arm. I see it in pastors. They don't get wrong. They don't talk. They're not brothers. we got to get away from that. We've got to be a family here tonight. No more of this envy stuff, you know? No more. Because it's broken up too many churches. How many churches have been separated and broken up because of that? How many relationships and friendships broken up because of that? You know how we fix that, friends? Listen. Family, you know how we fix that? It's by searching our own hearts right now and saying, Lord, is there anything in me right now? Is there anybody that i got a little problem with? Is there anybody that I look at and just say, you know, man, maybe it's not much. Maybe just a little bit right there. Just something you, you just hold on to. Just a little bit. That will break open huge. If you don't watch out, you might be approaching Moses before you know it. Trying to call out the meekest man on the face of the earth. How could a person do that? Moses? The man who knows God face to face? But that's what happens when we don't watch ourselves. We find ourselves messed up. But I believe tonight that because I have approached this, and because I've shared this with you tonight, that you, brothers and sisters, family, that we are going to be a better family because of that tonight. And that I believe the church will be more blessed because of people like you who decide to make changes in your own life. Who decide to not allow that to happen when you see it creeping in. In the high school ministry, in the college of career ministry, in your own church, in the children's ministry, in your place at home or your place at work, your place at school, it doesn't matter where you're at. Be careful. Amen? Let's move on. So let me line this up again. Who are our key players? Korath, Dathan, and Abiram. What do they do? Bring up 250 men. Approach Moses. Call him out. Moses falls on his face. Starts telling them, this is what you got to do. God's going to show tomorrow who's the man. Everybody bring a burning incense. Every single one of you, all 250, every single person. And then he says, what's the deal, man? You guys are Levites. Why are you wanting more? God's already blessed you. And then verse 11. For which cause both thou and all the company are gathered together against the Lord? And why is Aaron that you murmur against? They're murmuring against Aaron. They're bummed at Aaron the priest. Now... And Moses is defending his, his brother. I like that. Defending his family. But they're chasing after the priesthood. They're chasing after the high priest position. Let's move on to verse 12. And Moses sent to call Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Elab, which said, We will not come. What? Stop there. Did you see that? Moses says, Dathan, Abiram, listen up, boys. Come forward. I want to talk with you. And they're just like, No. What? Moses, the man who parted the Red Sea, 
Are you crazy? They told Moses no. It reminded me of the time, the first time I remember I really told my dad no. Like, I told him no. Like, straight up. It was like when I was 15, I think. I'll never forget the night. It was right here at Mona High School, right down the street. Right after a football game, I just finished playing. Had a great game. (laughs) And... uh, And I wanted to hang out with Jeremy, right? We were supposed to spend the night and hang out for the weekend. And my dad was like there at the parking lot ready to pick me up. I was like, Dad, I want to hang out with Jeremy tonight. And he's just like, no, we, we need to go and help out Grandma this weekend. You know, we got to help her move and all this stuff. I'm just like, Dad, no, I, I want to I wanna go hang out with Jeremy. You know, like I, I've been helping out Grandma for the last like three weekends. I don't want to go and do that anymore. Like just come on, just let me go. No, no, you need to go help out Grandma. We need your help. He said, you know, just need to do this. And then I remember it. I'll never forget it, man. It was the worst night of my life. Seriously, I think worst night of my life for me too. Like spiritually, my heart. And I looked at my dad. And I was like, no. I just said, like, with the front, like, it was just like that that thing the parent never wants to hear. That time it was just like, like you really just said no, didn't you? And I'm serious. I couldn't believe it. Like, <laughs> and me and my dad, we actually, my dad was like really really upset my dad doesn't get mad at all like he's just not a man he's like the most joyful happy nicest guy you've ever met in your life he's so bummed we actually got in like a struggle man like my dad was like gonna like force me in the car and all stuff and I was just like I was so bummed and I and I, and I just somehow I got away and I just started running and I ran through like sorry it is funny but you know I just I just started running like through Ramona High School I remember and I was I was running to I was trying to call Jeremy. Like, I don't even know what I was doing. I guess I was going to run away or something, you know, like every young kid thinks they're going to do. <laughs> Stupid. But I remember weeping. I remember crying as I was running. and just so bummed at myself. And I thought I'd ruined my relationship with my dad. And I remember, gosh, I ran and I hid under this motorhome in some neighborhood. <laughs> it was like divine from God. Guess what? The cops pull up like 30 seconds later and they see me under there. The guy's like, boom, flashlight on me. I'm like... I get out and I'm like they handcuff me and they put me on the curb my buddy was with me I was right one of my friends was running with me I can't remember his name and we're both and he's and and I'm just like oh gosh I'm all bummed my buddy starts crying (laughs) I'm just like Travis that was his name I'm like dude what are you crying about you know like I was crying because my dad you know like I I thought I ruined my relationship with him but and then guess what my dad pulls up like And I was just like praying, like, fall. oh, I remember, no, that was what happened. Before I had found the motorhome, <laughs> no, I fell, in the, I fell in the grass. I was just running, and I fell. And I remember just, like, I fell to my knees, and I was just, like, weeping to the Father. Like, Lord, you know, if you can make this better, please. Like, I'm just messed up. And I really destroyed my relationship with my dad. And I think, I don't know what to do. And if you could just please restore this, you know, like, I would be forever grateful. And I got up and kept running, then I found the motorhome. Cops came. Travis is crying. <laughs> my dad pulls up, and then the cops are just like, "All right, you know, I got to just, I got home. With, I, I didn't get into trouble, you know, no trespassing or anything like that." So we go and we drop my buddy Travis off, and I thought my dad was just about to hammer me. I mean, just like, "Ooh, I'm gonna put the hurt on you," you know. As soon as that door closes, as soon as Travis' door closed, man, it's just like, "Okay, here we go. Back door is gonna close." Boom! You know, it's just like dead quiet, and I'm just like. And I'm like breathing right I'm just bored one of the time. Then my dad's like, hey, want to get some hot chocolate? I was like, what? He's like, yeah, why don't we just go get some drink? And that was it. And we never talked about it ever again. And I've never disrespected my father ever again from that moment. I will never talk back to him. And I will never say anything rude. I will never tell him, no, anything you want, Dad. Anything, I will do it. And I will never... I just, I was broken that night completely. My father didn't come down on me. It was the most amazing night. It'll change my life, that's for sure, just on honoring parents. And I started preaching from that day on, you know, just in the highest, like, honor your father and mother. And it's a message for you tonight. But these guys straight up told Moses, no. I mean, he's Papa, you know, it's like, you don't tell him no. And look what happens. 
Verse 13. It's a small thing that thou hast brought us up out of the land that floweth with milk and honey. This is what they're saying to him. A small thing that they brought him up. To kill us in the wilderness, except thou make thyself altogether a prince over us. Moreover, thou hast not brought us into the land that floweth with milk and honey, or given us the inheritance of the fields and vineyards. Wilt thou put the eyes of these men? We will not come up. Stop again there. So what does he say to this guy? Dathan and Abiram? They say, listen up, Moses. We're not coming. Send this message to Moses. We're not coming. And guess what? You brought us out of the land of milk and honey. They mocked him. Brought us out of Egypt. They're saying Egypt was the land of milk and honey. They say, you haven't brought us into the land of milk and honey like you told us you're going to. And we haven't received any land. Like, and what are you doing? You brought us out here to die? So they mock Moses. Then look at verse 15. Moses is very wroth. He is angry. And he says unto the Lord, Respect not their offerings. I have not taken one donkey from them. Neither have I hurt one of them. And Moses said unto Korah, Be thou and all thy company before the Lord. Thou and they, thou and they, and Aaron tomorrow. And take every man his censer, the, the incense burner, and put incense in them, and bring them before the Lord, every man his censer, 250 censers, thou also, thou also, and Aaron, each of you his censer. So Moses is ticked now. Remember he fell on his face, humble all the stuff, and then those guys mock him, like, oh, what are you going to take this land of milk and honey? Oh, are you going to give us land like you said you were? Moses like, that's it. He's like, bring your, bring your incense tomorrow, and we're going to see what's going to happen, straight up. And look what happens. You ready? Verse 18, And they took every man his censer and put fire in them, and laid incense thereon, and stood in the door of the tabernacle of the congregation with Moses and Aaron. And Korah gathered all the congregation against them. Oh gosh, we've got to stop there real quick. Verse 18, So everybody comes and gathers in front of the tabernacle. You guys ready? Everybody comes, all the 250 men, they got their incense in hand. Moses is standing there, Aaron's standing there. Look what happened right before that, verse 19. And Korah gathered the congregation against them until the, the door of the tabernacle of the congregation and the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the congregation. Okay, check this. It says right before the 250 men showed up, guess what Korah did? Remember Korah, Moses' cousin? He goes and stirs up the entire congregation of Israel against Moses. Everybody now. Everybody's bummed out of Moses now. He goes and talks a bunch, a bunch of smack and like starts some rumors. And gets everybody all stirred up against Moses. And so, so now everybody is surrounded around the tabernacle. All the congregation of Israel. What happens? All of a sudden, the glory of God comes and is sitting there. It's like, oh, snap. What's about to happen? Check this out. Verse 20. And the Lord spake unto Moses and said unto Aaron, saying, Separate yourselves from among this con congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. Stop there. God's just like, Moses, step back. I'm about to light these fools up. And look what happens. Verse 20. And the Lord spake unto Moses, I'm sorry, verse 22. And they, who's they? Moses and Aaron, fell upon their faces and said, O God, the God of the spirits and all flesh shall one man sin. Wilt thou be wroth with all thy, all the congregation? Question mark. Stop there. Oh. God shows up. I'm about to smoke these fools. Stand back. And then Moses and Aaron fall on their face and say, Lord, will you destroy all these people for one man's sin? What? I would have been like, yeah, go get them, Lord. Like, serve them a dish. You know, they deserve this junk. Like, these guys are whack. Especially after they just clown Moses. Just clowned him. Oh, oh, milk and honey, land him milk and honey, where is it at? You know, it's just like, you little busters. You ought to be smacked in the mouth for that. And they fall on their face and pray for them. Family, pray for your enemies. Pray for that person you don't like, man. Get on your face. Do they mock you? Do they laugh at you? Pray for them. Be like Moses. So look what happens. Verse 23, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the congregation, saying, Get you up from about the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan, and Abraham. 
I'm sorry, Abiram. And Moses rose up and went unto Dathan, Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed them. Uh-oh. The Lord says, then separate everybody from these guys. Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Tell them to go to their tents. And then Moses there followed after. Look what happens. Verse 26. And he spake unto the congregation, saying, Depart, I pray you, from the tents of these wicked men, and touch none of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sins. So they got, they got up from the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, on every side, and Dathan and Abiram came out and stood in the tents, and their wives and their sons and their little children. So what happens? Everybody separates away. Moses is like, everybody get away from these tents, quick. And don't touch anything of theirs, or you will be a part of them. Get away from them. These wicked men, he says, wicked, that's an interesting word there, wicked. We know that they do not are not lovers of Jesus and do not follow God will never afflict the righteous. He will never put His wrath on you, family. Never. I promise you, never. Will He discipline you? Yes. But He will never pour wrath upon you. Why? Because remember, He poured wrath on Jesus for you. Jesus took the madness of God, and so God will never get mad at you who are righteous, who have accepted Jesus Christ. God got all the mad that He's going to get at Jesus. Sins are forgiven. But at the wicked... They do not have Jesus. And anything, it's all game. Anything can happen. And watch what does happen. So now all the people are standing around and watching this. Moses said, Hereby you know, or you shall know, that the Lord has sent me to do all the works, for I have done them of mine own mind. If these men die, the common death of all men, or if they be visited after their visitation of all men, then the Lord Lord has not sent me. But if... The Lord make a new thing, and the new earth open her, and the earth open her mouth, and swallow them up with all the. I'm sorry, and they go down quick into the pit. Then you shall understand that these men have provoked the Lord. So what does that mean? Well, everybody's backed away from the tents. The entire congregation of Israel is watching what's happening now. You got Dathan and Abiram and Koath. These guys by their tents are sitting there. And Moses stands up and says, listen up, boys. He says, if you die a death like a normal human being, if you just die, then I am not the one that seeks God. And the Lord has not sent me. But if the earth opens up and swallows you and everything that you own, then the Lord is God and I am the one that He has sent. Straight up tells him that and watch what happens. Verse 31. And it came to pass, as he had made an end of speaking all the words, that the ground clave asunder that was under them. And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up, and their houses and all the men that appeared in Korah and all their goods. They and all that appertained to them went down alive into the pit, and the earth closed upon them, and they perished from among the congregation. Stop there. It's like a movie. <laughs> like drama, dude. It's like... So intense. Suspense. So Moses stands up and says, Guess what? If the, if the earth opens up and swallows everything that you have, then you will know that I am the one. And it says right there in that first verse, 31, Before he had even finished his statement, finishing his statement, the earth opened up and swallowed them. It's like, if the Lord is God, then the earth will swallow... It, it, I'm sorry, if I'm the one who God has sent, then the earth will swallow you up. And everything is done, right there, on the spot. Boom. And look what happens there. Look in verse 33, something interesting to note. You see that? They went down alive into the pit. What? They went down alive into the pit. You know what that word pit is? The translation of the Hebrew? It's the word sheol. What is the translation for the word sheol? Hell. Amazing. Alive, they were cast into hell. Alive, they were cast into hell. Two men on the earth who were taken to heaven alive. Do you remember? Enoch and Elisha. Elijah, I'm sorry, not Elisha. Elijah. And we see the first here taken alive into hell. The earth opened up. I believe hell opened up right there. And they fell in. And even says there, look at the next verse, what happens. 
Verse 34. And all Israel that were round about them fled at the cry of them, for they said, Lest the earth swallow us up also. In some of your translations it says, The people ran because they heard the cries of the people. I wonder if hell opened up and it heard the cries and the gnashing of teeth. They could hear the people who were being tormented. Amazing. You think the story's over? No, it's just begun. Look at this. Look what look what else happens. It just gets crazier. Verse thirty five. And there fire came out from the Lord and consumed the two hundred and fifty men that offered incense. What? Stop there. The earth opens up. Boom! All the tents, everything. The entire families of Korath, Dathan, and Abiram. All taken down. And then what? The Lord stands up and just like, 250 men. Boom! Just consumed with fire. Right there on the spot. The wicked taken out in an instant. They were fired. <laughs> That's for sure. Like that, Jay? Look what happens. Verse 36. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, that he take up the censers out of the burning, and scatter thou the fire yonder, for they are hallowed, or holy. The censers of these sinners against their own souls, let them make the broad plates, or a shield, for a covering of the altar. For they offered them before the Lord, therefore they are holy. And they shall be a sign unto the children of Israel. And Elias other priests took the brazen censers, wherewithin they were burnt, and had offered. They were made broad plates for a covering of the altar, to be a memorial unto the children of Israel, that no stranger, which is not of the seed of Aaron, come near to offer incense before the Lord, that he be not as Korah, Korah and his company. And the Lord said to him by the hand of Moses, Stop there. So what happens? The 250 men that just got worked, fired, yeah. They dropped their, their incense, you know. And, and Eleazar, Aaron's son, is told to go and gather all of them together. Now, it's interesting to note, I read this in a commentary, that these are brazen. This is brass. Brass incense burners. Incense burners are not to be made of brass. They're to be made of gold only. Now, some commentators say the reason why these guys had brass and maybe that's even part of the reason why they, their offering was not accepted and why they were smote is because it was made of brass and not of gold. Now, where did the gold go that they had? Well, do you remember a couple chapters back? Where did all the people give their gold to? It was the golden calf. They melted a golden calf together and they gave all of their gold away and that is where, that's why they made brass. And these are men who were rebellious and maybe dancing naked around the calf, maybe. So, there you go. The wicked being taken out. And so he gathers these brass pieces together, and what happens? He hammers them into a shield, and what does he do? He puts it up on the altar. Now why? So that all of the congregation of Israel would recognize and know that you are not to rebel against the Lord, and that you are not to be envious of a position or call out Moses in any way. Period. Let's move on. Let's finish this up. But on the morrow, all of the congregation, verse 41... But the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron his son, saying, You have killed the people of the Lord. What? Can you believe this? So, all of this happens in this one day. It's like, what did this happen today? Okay, You guys are the people, you just witnessed this, right? Earth cracked open. Boom, all these wicked people just taken down. You hear the screams of Sheol. You hear all this crazy stuff. Then fire comes down from heaven. Boom, takes out 250 men. They're just scorched right there, burned, consumed completely. And then tomorrow morning, you guys, the children of Israel, come to Moses and start complaining. You killed the Lord's people. Oh. Oh. I, I don't know what I would do if I was Moses there. I'd just be like, what? I'd be livid, man. I can't believe this. So look what happens. Verse 42, And it came to pass, when the congregation was gathered against Moses and against Aaron... They looked toward the tabernacle of the congregation, and behold, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord appeared, and Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of the congregation. Oh, snap. All of a sudden, guess what? Moses, you killed all the Lord's people. Uh-oh. The 
Lord's here again. And Moses and Aaron run to the tabernacle. They run to where the Lord's at, and look what happens. I'd be scared out of my britches. If I were the people, I would just start running right now. Like, goodbye. I'm outie. But look what happens. They come and they accuse Moses, even so. Verse 44, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Get up from among this congregation, that I may consume them, as in a moment, and they fell upon their faces. Moses! Again? The Lord's like, dude, just let me drop kick them already. They are done. I'm fed up with this group. And Moses, the meek man. And see, this is not, again, we must not have a play on words here where it's like, God's the mean one and Moses is the meek one. Yeah, right. God created meekness and he's being just. But see, these are tests for Moses. This is to really see where Moses is at with his walk with God. Many times you say, God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you allowing this to happen in my life? You say, that's not God-like. That's not like you. That doesn't seem like this should be happening. It's only a test, my friend. It's God showing. Don't you think God knows who's wicked and who's going to be smote? He knows the future. He knows all that's going to happen. He knows Moses is going to fall on his face. He knows all the above. So this is not a battle between God and Moses. Moses like convincing God, like, Lord, don't do it. <laughs> the Lord is the one who loves the people and wishes, desires that none would perish, but all would come to repentance. He takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, it says. And so look what happens. Verse 46. Moses, they fall on their face. Moses and Aaron, and they said it. And Moses said unto Aaron, Take the censer, and put fire therein of the altar, and put on the incense, and go quickly unto the congregation, and make an atonement for them. For there is wrath gone out from the Lord. The plague has begun. Uh Uh-oh. The Lord sent a plague on the people, like, boom. Moses like, quick, go run to the tabernacle and grab some coals and put some incense on it and run and stand in place before the people, the high priest, standing in the gap for the people. Jesus, our King, the high priest, stood in the gap for us, that the plague would not eat us, the plague that is eating this world, sin. But he runs and he stands before the people and watch what happens. Verse 47, And Aaron took Moses' command and ran into the midst of the congregation. And behold, the plague had begun among the people, and he put on incense and made an atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead and the living. And there the plague was stayed. Verse 49, Now they that died in the plague were 14,700, beside them that died about the matter of Korah. And Aaron returned unto Moses under the door of the tabernacle, the congregation, and the plague was stayed. So Aaron runs over to the people and holds up the incense and makes an atonement for them. But guess what? Already 14,700 people have died. Boom. It's like, you think, you would think that the people would be fed up with murmuring and know that the Lord is God. But you know what? I'm just going to give a quick summary of Numbers chapter 17, okay? This is what happens. Guess what? The people come back. And they murmur again. And and Moses says, that's it, okay? Listen up, okay, this is what's going to happen. Everybody, you guys are the twi- tribes of Israel, 12 tribes of Israel. Who are the leaders? I don't know, there's 12 leaders here. All of you, take a staff, a rod, and write your name on it, and bring it to me, I'm Moses. And I'm going to take the staffs, the 12 staffs, and I'm going to put them in the tabernacle. And guess what? One staff is going to bud going to sprout. A staff, a dead stick, it's going to sprout. And whoever stick sprouts, that is the one that God will use. So all of you, the twelve tribes of Israel, bring a stick to me, including Aaron. Aaron's name was written on one staff. And so I take all the staffs, your names on each individual, and I go and I put it in the tabernacle. And I wait overnight, and I come back the next morning, and guess what? One budded. And guess which one it is? It's Aaron's staff. And it budded, and it sprouted, and it had almonds on it. It's awesome. Great picture. It sprouted fruit, can we say. And there's so much we could dive into and so much we could talk about. The rod that sprouts fruit. Is there one among us tonight? They take that rod, 
that sprouted and they put it in front of the tab- they put it in front of the Ark of the Covenant. They say this is to be a reminder that the people are not to murmur, and that so that nobody else has to die. And at the end of the chapter, one of the last phrases I think it says this: the people are like, "Great, we can't go near the tabernacle, or we're all going to die." They're bummed and they're scared that they're going to die if they come close to the tabernacle. You see what envy does? Look at the disaster. Look at the mess. You guys tracking with me, family? Did you guys get the story? You see in the pictures? It is not worth it. And you see, I think it's always the little sins that cause the greatest damage. That doesn't seem like much, does it? Like... We think that murdering somebody, like killing somebody, like that is big time. Like you are doing something physical, everybody can see it. Adultery, cheating on somebody, like that is like overboard. You just don't do that kind of stuff. We get ticked about that kind of stuff and upset. But envy, it all happens within our own hearts. It's like, I would never murder. Envy is worse. Look what it does. It kills the people. It starts fires. It breaks open the earth and people fall in. Pits start to happen and people get stuck and people get messed up. A lot of people. Because you want to know what happens when you gossip? Well, you envy first, then you gossip, and then you get confronted and smacked in the face. But look at, along the way with your envy, look at how many people you destroy and look at how many people you hurt and look at how many people you bring down along with you. A lot. 250 in this chapter and then 14,700 there at the end. Man. Because a couple guys wanted to stand up and try to rebel against the one. Don't do it. It's not worth it. You guys get it? And it was a lot tonight. We're doing alright. Seven minutes over. Envy. Can we search our hearts? Can we go before our God tonight, right now in this moment? And really, and spend some serious time with them right now. Don't allow your minds to wander during this prayer. Don't allow your thoughts to consume you. You know what? And I know how. We are going to pray for two minutes. Each one of us individually. I want you to talk to God with your mouth. Loud enough so you can hear yourself, but not loud enough so the person next to you can hear. And I want you to talk to the Lord about it for two minutes. And wait. If nothing's coming to you, then wait and and start talking. Then wait and start talking. Okay? We need to say things like this. Lord, is there anybody that I'm hating on right now? Can you bring those people to my mind? Is there any position or possession? Possession that I want that I feel like I need and have to have is there anything that I am chasing after that's going to cause me to fall into that pit or cause me to get fired truly can we do that family I'm going to spend the time too by myself so let's do it together let's take two minutes and I'll come back on and finish us in prayer so please do not let your mind wander and do not not take advantage of this opportunity right now Two minutes, we're going to talk to the Lord with our mouths, loud enough so that we can hear, but just not so loud that the person next to us can. Articulate words. Talk to your king. Amen? If you want to, even if, yeah, I like what knows, you know, if you want to go and take a little walk or just walk around the side here, that's fine too, okay? About two minutes. And Father. Lord, we come to you with our hearts quieted and minds attentive to yours. And Lord, we desire as a group to have the enemy, the envy and the enemy scraped out of our lives. We desire to be people who are set apart and holy before you. God, who are not chasing after a position in the church or a position at our work or a position wherever. And we are not chasing after possessions. We're jealous, Lord, and envious because somebody else has it and we don't. And we want what they have. Scrape that out of us, God. We know that's going to destroy us and mess us up. And we don't want those repercussions, Lord, but most of all, we don't want to be a bum. 
and messed up to you, Lord, lazy and not taking care of the things that we should in our own lives. And so please, Lord, do a work in each one of these. Lord, you've heard the prayers of your children. And Father, we come asking that you would do a great work, continuing tonight. Reveal to us more things that we are envious about. Reveal to us more things, Lord, that we are being stubborn in. Change us. Change us so you can use us for the greater glory of furthering your kingdom and showing you off, Jesus, because we live set apart, holy lives for you. And so we lift our lives into your hands tonight and pray special blessings upon them. We need you, King, and we're not going anywhere without you. Thank you for the work that you've done. Bless these. Minister to these. Have them walk and talk with you tonight as they lay their heads in their pillow and tomorrow when they wake up. Thank you for the work that you've done tonight. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen? Love you guys. Thanks for coming out. <sighs> Hard subjects to deal with, especially, that's one of my, man, one of my things, you know? I didn't realize how much until just right now. It's time for us to reprove ourselves. So that we family can impact our church, impact the church, right? If us, man, let's talk about these things with our friends, huh? Can we? Hey, you know, I heard a Bible study the other night, you know, we were talking about envy, man, and it's like that little sneaky sin, like i just never seen it in my own life. And look, it's like big time. You know, it's like having to share with them and talk to them about it. Let's really be, remember a course in telling us in the desert, be the liver in the body. The liver cleanses everything. It helps everything get better. Let us be that. In the body of Christ tonight, right here, in this place as we fellowship and hang out, okay? Blessings on you guys, and I'll see you next week. Love you guys.